if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks so much for being with us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free for all Friday, the 17th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. Coming up on the program, I am very much looking forward to a conversation with a cop who isn't afraid to speak out anymore. And probably because he's no longer a cop, a retired cop. Um, police in this country are in an extraordinarily dangerous time and place. I think that goes without saying. Um, the demonization of police from the media, the demonization of police from elected officials, the demonization of police from celebrities, the demonization of police from social media, the demonization of police from criminals, surprise there, right, is off the charts. And it's a very dangerous time in a lot of our cities across the country and right here in the state of Ohio. Cleveland is a disaster. Frank Jackson is a disaster. The Cleveland City Council is an embarrassment. The Cleveland Police Commission is a farce. It's a joke. The citizen-led police commission which was put into place by a consent decree, is a joke. The Cuyahoga County Council is an embarrassment. They're all complicit in the crime wave that is sweeping through Northeast Ohio, particularly the city of Cleveland, with extraordinarily high shooting rates and homicides, which is going on in uh, cities, like I said, all over the country. But in Cleveland, Ohio, it is absolutely inexcusable, and those who are responsible for it, for not addressing it, uh, and continue, in fact, to perpetuate it by demonizing and attacking police, should be held accountable for it. Nobody's doing that. But two hours to the south, they are. Like I said, at least one person is. James Scanlon is a retired Columbus police officer. 33 years he put in to protect and serve the people of Columbus. He's now a law enforcement trainer at North American SWAT Training Association. He's an expert in police-involved shootings. And he is looking at the city of Columbus, Ohio's capital. He's looking at the violence on the rise. 
And he said, given what they are doing to cops, Columbus is about to be a very dangerous place to be. He's advising Columbus residents to get out now while you can. And not just to one of the suburbs. He said, Arlington, Westerville, some 20 suburbs around Columbus, this will be felt there as well. The suburbs feel well insulated, but my theory is, however goes Columbus, so goes the suburbs. Your suburbs are going to lose security and value. Get out while you can. What a terrifying thought this is. He's going to be our guest coming up in about uh, half an hour, a little bit less, about 25 minutes from now. We're going to talk to James Scanlon about why he thinks Columbus is circling the drain. And I'll ask him if he can kind of look a little bit northward of where he is and project Cleveland as well. I suspect the same exact is going to be true. Because police are not allowed to be police. Police are the whipping boy. Police are the punching bag. Police are the scapegoat. Everything the police do is wrong. Why? Because of one idiot in Minneapolis. That's why. Everything we are seeing right now about rampant, violent crime in cities across America, they're pointing to the George Floyd killing as being justification, meaning not that there was justification for the killing, but that killing, indefensible as it was by one idiot in Minneapolis, one terrible cop there, um, that justifies all of the violent crime that is being ratcheted up all around this country. And the violent crime is being committed at an extraordinary rate, by African Americans. And nobody is allowed to do anything about it. Because slavery. Because Jim Crow. Because 400 years of oppression. Because this, that, or the other thing. Nobody's allowed to do anything about it. Least of all, cops. Cops are in a very precarious position right now. That's why they are retiring at a 400% increase rate in New York from an average year. They're retiring, they're quitting, they're fleeing, and nobody is joining the academies to get in. Which is a good thing because they're not going to be hiring. Because they're defunding police forces all over this country. They're defunding them, cutting their funding in half, which means it's going to cut their manpower in half. Already slow response times are going to turn into eternities, and people are going to be forced to fend for themselves. And then they're going to come for the people defending themselves. I've got so many examples of this that I want to talk about with you today, and I'm going to let uh, uh, Officer Scanlon talk about as well. But I want to listen to you as much as I talk to you today. I called it a free-for-all Friday. Normally, we have a lot of guests, as you know. Uh, and sometimes we don't open up the phones as much as we should on a free-for-all Friday. Today, the only guest is going to be Officer Scanlon, so there's plenty of time for you to tell me what it means to you. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will bring you here. If you want to get me on social media, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and tell me how you plan to protect your family and your property. You tell me how that can happen. When police aren't going to be there to, uh, to uh, protect you and to protect your property, when you yourself don't want to get into a physical altercation because you will then be held accountable, for crying out loud, that couple in, in St. Louis, 
didn't even get into a physical altercation. They pulled their guns out and stood on their property to prevent a physical altercation. It worked. Nobody was touched. But yet they are on the verge of being charged with a crime. I have no earthly idea what we're going to do when people who are extraordinarily violent no longer have even the most remote fear of being arrested. They have no fear because the cops aren't around. And if the cops do show up, they know all they have to do is resist arrest. And they're going to get away because police are not going to use force to affect the arrest. Because they know that it's going to lead to them being charged. It is extraordinary how dangerous this this country is becoming right now. And the only thing that I can say, and I've said this before, is you're going to have to take your chances with the courts. You're going to have to arm up. And you're going to have to load heavy. And you're going to have to protect your family and yourself and your property yourself because the cops aren't coming. That St. Louis example is only one example, but it's the, the biggest one, the best one. They called the police ahead of time when they saw the mob breaking through the gate. They did. They broke through an iron gate. They knew violence was about to happen, and they called the police, and the police wouldn't come or couldn't come. Either way, they knew they were on their own to protect themselves. And they're going to have to fight it out in court now after they get charged. They already had a search warrant served against them. They, re- they took away... The police, the actual police who wouldn't come to defend, were forced against their will by the prosecution to go and confiscate those weapons. The family is now protected by private security guards. But the police had to come and take those weapons as the precursor to what is going to be a charge against the homeowners for defending themselves, despite Missouri being a castle doctrine state, despite them having every right to shoot somebody who comes onto their property and whose intentions are unknown, let alone just hold the gun there and say, stay away. There is a very, very, we are very, very close to a tipping point here, my friends. Police in America are in very serious jeopardy. Now I want to take that, I want to pivot to the news yesterday that police organizations are finally starting to get the hint. They recognize the tipping point as well. In 2008, the NAPO, the National Association of Police Organizations, endorsed Barack Obama for President of the United States over John McCain. Then, despite Barack Obama's war on police for four years, starting with his condemnation of police in Cambridge, Massachusetts, acting stupidly for responding to a break-in call, then finding the homeowner being the one who was breaking into his own home, but daring to ask him questions and see identification. Talking about Professor Gates, you remember that? That was the beginning of Barack Obama's war on cops. It, of course, reached perhaps its peak in 2014 when Michael Brown attacked a a Ferguson, Missouri police officer and tried to kill him and was shot for those efforts. And the lie about hands up, don't shoot, and executing a large black man in the middle of the street in broad daylight uh, was, was the story being told by the Obama administration. Remember how many people they sent to Michael Brown's funeral? 
representing the White House? Barack Obama waged a war on cops and still got two NAPO endorsements. Well, here we are in 2020. Police are under fire right now, more so than they have been at really any time, including the Michael Brown situation. And the NAPO, looking at Donald Trump, looking at Joe Biden, listening to Joe Biden, defending the protesters, defending the rioters, defending the looters and the arsonists, defending Black Lives Matter, which is pushing all of it, and putting cops in serious jeopardy, and then looking at Donald Trump, who continues to stand for the rule of law, supports the officers, not the one in Minnesota, of course, but supports the officers, supports local, state, and federal police, including ICE, including FBI agents, and it's a no-brainer. Our endorsement recognizes, says the NAPO to Donald Trump in a letter, your steadfast and very public support of our men and women on the front lines, especially during this time of unfair and inaccurate opprobrium being directed out at our members by so many. NAPO is pleased to support your re-election campaign for president, and we are confident of your continued strong support of America's law enforcement community. My friends, put these stories that I'm giving you today together and understand this, that if you don't do everything you can to help get Donald Trump reelected, and I'm talking about donating to campaigns, I'm talking about being a local activist, I'm talking about uh, being a phone caller, being a, uh, a door knocker, being a mailer, emailer, whatever you can do to volunteer to support the Trump campaign. If you don't do that, it is going to have a direct impact on your family's safety. Now, that's a, that's a lousy deal. Maybe you can't handle that. Maybe you don't want to believe that. But understand, if Joe Biden win the, wins the presidency, even the NAPO, which endorsed him and Obama twice, knows what it will mean to policing in America, what it will mean to security in America. If you elect a cop-hating president, which Biden was sitting at the side of a cop-hating president named uh, Barack Obama. You put him in charge now, during this time? When things are at their all-time worst for police officers, you will not recognize this country four years from now. You will not recognize this country four months after the election. There will be anarchy in the streets. Crime will run rampant. Cops will be fleeing the scene, having no ability whatsoever to protect and serve. I cannot tell you this strongly enough. Thank you to the NAPO for the endorsement. The National Association of Police Organizations gets it now, finally. And it's up to us to make sure that we back them and their candidate, President Trump, if you truly wish to protect yourself and your property in the next four years. It's bad, friends. It's never been worse. And it's only going to get worse if we allow Joe Biden to win the presidency. 921, we'll get a quick time out now. I do want to hear from you uh, at 216-901-0945. Again, we'll talk to uh, Officer James Scanlon from Columbus coming up at 935 about all of this. And we are guest-free in hour number two as well. Free for all Friday. Any topic you want to bring up is fair game. I'm starting with law enforcement, but we got a lot of other ground to cover on AM 1420 The Answer.
Yes, indeed, it is Friday, a free-for-all Friday. Let's go to some phone calls right now uh, before we talk to Officer Scanlon from Columbus. Melanie is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Melanie. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob, and shout-out to TJ. Okay, um, I try to remain optimistic, but you have politicians that will not even return your correspondence uh, for whatever issues. For example, I just emailed every single city council member and the mayor about this mask thing. Not a peep. Not a peep. Even Armin Budish, I, I emailed. Not a peep. Um, I just feel like that's a problem, and I feel like public schools, which I am a teacher in one, are leaning further left. There's an attack on police. My husband is a cop. There's, system, there's a systemic racism agenda. I just feel like I'm a prisoner in my own mind, in my own house, and there's nothing I can do except run away, further away from this baloney. Frustrated. <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, I wish I had words of wisdom to offer, uh, Melanie, but I get it. Um, there is a feeling of kind of, you know, being a prisoner uh, in your own home. You can't go where you want. You can't look how you want to look. You, you can't, uh, you know, associate with people that you want to associate with. You can't gather together. Uh, all of those things are reality. And now, like you said, even in your own home, can you defend yourself? Can you protect yourself? Uh, you know, you, that, that prisoner feeling is real. Um and, and again, when you look at the, excuse me, the breakdown of society that has been fomented by the media and by, uh, the, the leftist politicians that you're talking about that are completely non-responsive to your concerns, that, that kind of makes you feel like you're in this yourself. Um, all I can say to you, honestly, Melanie, and thanks for your call is you're not by yourself. It feels that way, but there are a lot of other people who are going through the same thing. And maybe we draw a little bit of strength and support from one another and share ideas with one another, but I do get it. And I have to tell you, I feel very concerned for the security of my family, security of my property. I'm a strong President Trump supporter. I will not put a Trump sign in my yard. I will not put a bumper sticker on my car. I won't wear a red hat. I won't let my son wear a red hat. My son's a commit to a Ball State University where he's going to play football next year, and he's got a red Ball State hat, and I told him not to wear it out publicly. Because people who have red hats on, even if they don't say MAGA, are being sucker punched by thugs in public places all over the country. That's how bad it is. And, you know, dare my son or anybody else in a situation like that fight back, somebody starts a video, they're the ones who look like they're beating up somebody else. Uh, or, or you know, there's a hoax hate crime over that. You know, all of these kinds of things happening make you feel very, very alone. I do, I get, and very, very concerned and very fearful. And the police aren't going to be able to be there to help you. What are you going to do? I'll say it again, where you can and when you can, arm up and load heavy. Bernice in uh, Lake County. Bernice, go right ahead. Hi. Um, I just want to, my name is Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E. Oh, Denise, sorry. Sorry, yes, Denise. Yes, okay. Okay, go ahead. Um, I just want to thank you so much for bringing all this to the attention of us um, here. I'm from Lake County. I'm actually um, one of the state, um, the state central committee members for the Republican Party in Columbus um, for a good part of Lake County and Cuyahoga County. In Lake County, um, you know, we have been, you know, we've historically have enjoyed a conservative area and are very, very supportive of the police. We haven't, um, you, you know, as far as I can see, we haven't seen any any big dangers here, but I'm sure it's going to start um, leaking over to our county and there's, you know, probably in the future, you know, persecution for our policemen as well. I, many I know, you know personally, um, you know, support of the police is so important to all of us here in Lake County. And um, 
I'll say I'll this, if, if I may, uh, 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 Denise, because this is what Officer Scanlon, who's coming on next, uh, uh, mentioned in his comments to uh, to Columbus residents. Um, he said, don't think that you're safe in the suburbs. You just said you think mm-hmm. it's going to eventually leak over into Lake County. You're right. It absolutely positively is. When lawlessness runs rampant, it knows no bounds. It might start out in the inner city of Cleveland, but you better believe it's going to expand to other areas of Cleveland and, yes, into the suburbs. If cops aren't allowed to be cops, then, yes, they will find new victims wherever they can, including your suburb, maybe my suburb, and beyond. Thank you so much for the call. I do need to get to the news so that we can talk to uh, Officer Scanlon coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 936 now. We do continue. On the M1420, the answer, the headline uh, was was kind of ominous. On the uh, website, the Ohio State House News website, dark and dangerous times ahead for City of Columbus, says CPD veteran. Ohio's capital city is about to become a very dangerous place. I saw this. Actually, somebody sent this to me, and I saw the headline. I thought, oh, my, uh, is this a little bit overdramatic? And then I read the art- article. It's not even close to being overdramatic. As a matter of fact, if anything, it is understated to say that it's going to be a dark and dangerous place when cops aren't allowed to be cops and when cops are demonized and made out to be the enemy of the people. And that is exactly what's going on in the city of Columbus. Joining us now is a man who wrote a letter to the mayor of the city of Columbus and to members of the Columbus City Council warning them of what is being done to the city, the danger they are putting the people in, and the danger they are putting police officers' lives in. He himself is a retired Columbus police officer. His name is James Scanlon. He worked for 33 years, um, I believe. And, and Officer Scanlon, correct me on this, I saw 33, but I saw also in your letter uh, 42-year involvement with the Columbus Division of Police. First of all, thanks for your time. How are you, sir? Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I was uh, actually a member for 33 years. I spent uh, eight years on the street uh, in the inner city working patrol. I worked six years on our canine unit and 19 years on our full-time SWAT team. Uh, beyond the 33 years, I was uh, pretty involved. Have, I've stayed involved with the Columbus Division of Police as far as uh, training and, ah, and such. So okay, that I'm makes very sense. I'm familiar with the officers, so I've continued my involvement to where I haven't really lost touch with uh, the Division of Police or the officers involved. Got it. Thank you for the clarification. So I, I do appreciate that. So for over four decades of involvement with the Columbus Division of Police, and I can understand why then, Officer, can I still call you Officer, or uh, or is uh, James okay? Uh, Jim's good. Jim yeah. is good. Okay, Jim. Uh, I can see why you would take this very, very personally when you see and listen to the attacks being levied on the police uh, by the mayor, uh, by members of city council, and uh, by the media, quite frankly. And I can understand why this frustrated you. What put you over the edge to the point where you wanted to write this letter and, uh, and, 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 and essentially inform the citizens of Columbus that they are not safe in their city and they should probably get out while the getting's good? Yeah, I actually went down, and it was in the form of a speech in front of city council um, back on June 29th. And I guess that's even better. That's even better. I have the text of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have the text of it. I thought it was just a a a letter that you sent to them. So you actually said this to their faces. That's even better. I apologize for that mistake. Please continue. 
No, I, I, I guess what drove me to it was I, I saw in what was going on, of course, it was just a, a total war waged on the, uh, the fine men and women of the Columbus Division of Police that I know very well. Uh, they, they, miss, they, they, they can't deal with facts. They were spreading lies. They were demonizing these officers. And in demonizing them in a general way with no facts, now they're changing the entire way that these police officers are going to do their work. You know, they're going to demilitarize, supposedly. Whether they're taking away, they want to take away certain uniforms and helicopters and armored vehicles and uh, crowd control stuff. They want to change policy. They want to put together panels uh, to uh, basically create a kangaroo court to charge these officers and fire them, discipline them, and, and charge them with criminal uh, with crimes. So I just, I just decided I was just going to throw some facts back in their face and see how they would react to that. Um, for instance, Mayor Ginther indicated that countless men and women have died at the hands of police officers. So I just took that one statement. And, of course, they're, they're not countless. We, we know how many black suspects have been fatally shot by CPD officers over the past years, many years. I can go back five years, and there's been 19. Um, of course, in every single case, the suspects were armed, threatening, and resisting. And the fact of the matter is, over the, that period of time, if you're not armed and threatening, the odds of a black suspect being fatally shot by a Combs police officer was exactly zero. So when you get back to the facts, you question whether or not there's a need to make any changes because everything the officers are doing is fine. And council members have even gone as far as to say that there's a systemic abuse and murder of African-Americans uh, by black, by, by Columbus police officers. Well, we know that's not true. And, of course, they didn't support that with any facts. The only case they brought up that they see as the poster child for bad shoots in Columbus was the Henry Green shooting. And that was Jim, Jim, let me, let me jump in before you tell us about Henry sure. Green, uh, because I read sure. that in your letter or in what I guess now is the text of your speech. And I, and I want you to go into that in a moment. But I want to make sure that we highlight some of what you just said. There were six hundred to 800,000, or there are six hundred to 800,000 Columbus police encounters with individuals every year. There were seven Correct. black suspects shot by police officers, Columbus police officers, in 2016. There were four of them in 2017, five in 2018, just one in 2019. And as you point out, in every single case, the suspects were armed and threatening. When you make this statement uh, of fact, and, and, and you have all, you know, it's funny because you said that the mayor said that countless men, black men and women are dying at the hands of police. They're easily, very easily counted. They're not countless at all. It's very easily counted. And we can tell you the facts about every single circumstance. When you say this to, to the mayor and to the, to the uh, Columbus City Council members, what do they say back? Did they respond to those numbers, which are extraordinarily important? 800,000 encounters with police. Zero, zero unarmed African-Americans shot. Uh, a very small number of African-Americans who were armed were shot, uh, and they were all armed and threatening. So how did they respond to the facts you threw at them? Well, they, they did not respond. Uh, they, uh, the council president indicated uh, they were going to get back to me. Of course, they have not. They can't because, see, the facts are not their friends. They, they can't deal with the facts. And so when they're thrown at them, they just dismiss them. They make it hard for you to even articulate the facts because I tell you, getting into a city council meeting these days is a very difficult process. 
I believe that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, they don't want the dissent. Uh, they want they don't want the public understanding. That's why the mayor here put a gag order in place in Columbus, and you can't uh, get information readily from the Columbus division of police even through their public information it's incredible we're talking about public safety we're talking about the protection of the people their families their properties and you they have a gag order you can't question them about what decisions they are making you can't get in there and i don't mean just you but anybody to find out what they're doing about policing in their city no even the news media here can't get that a quote from mayor ginther and justifying that he he was Mm -hmm. kind of proud of it actually he said quote i think it is critically important that the public hear the truth and they hear directly from me and my office about information that is of the public interest. So Ginther's going to decide what the truth is. Um, and he, uh, you, if you want information, if you have a request for information dealing with anything within the Columbus Division of Police, how many homicides, how many shootings, how many whatever, you can go through the Division of Police, but they're going to direct you to the mayor's office. The mayor will release that information if they see If, if they see fit. And they get to decide what they release. Um, we are talking. If you, if you just turned uh, turned us on, uh, uh, Officer James Scanlon is a retired Columbus police officer. After forty two years in service to the city of Columbus thus far, thirty three as an active now. officer. Yeah, yeah thirty three as an active officer, forty two of involvement, as we clarified earlier. You mentioned Henry Green, and you mentioned it in your speech to the Columbus City Council. Um, tell us about Henry Green. In fact, tell us two things. Tell us what council the council president pro tem said about henry green and then tell us the story of henry green yep council pro tem brown went so far as to condemn a specific cpd shooting saying basically a skewed system uh that resulted in the death of henry green yeah so it wasn't a skewed system that led to the death of henry green henry green fired six 45 caliber rounds at the officers from a distance of 14 feet or less. And these rounds came within inches of striking the officers. Uh, five of them lodged in the car door of the, the one officer was behind. One went into the headrest that an officer had just fled from uh, the car seat there. And uh, so six rounds fired, um, and then, then they returned fire and, and fatally wounded Mr. Green. The reason I bring it up is because they may have made out this this case to be the poster child for their bad shoot scenario. Uh, what they failed to tell people was that, you no know, Henry Green fired at these officers six times, which begs the question, how many times do you have to shoot at a police officer before they can return fire? I know you asked that question rhetorically, um, Jim, but but let, sure. let's well, let's let's I mean let's let's address it even less than that. Why do you have to be fired at at all? I mean, is this is this the new is this the new normal in policing? You may not fire until fired upon. If somebody points a gun at a police officer, he has to wait until something is dislodged from it before he can shoot to protect himself or the public. Because that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's not the way we train officers, of course. Uh, we don't want it to ever get to the point where they actually uh, uh, fire at the officer. But, of course, you can't deny the fact that there's officers out there hesitating now. There's more of officers being, being shot and fired upon. There's hesitation, and, and that's just catastrophic. Uh, it's gonna have, it, it has had and it will continue to have catastrophic uh, consequences. You uh, said in the article that I quoted uh 
earlier um, in a message to the public. Um, you said the public has no clue what this is going to mean. This is going to change the, their lives and their kids' lives forever. Anyone who lives, works, or plays in Columbus will be affected by this. People in the suburbs feel distant from this issue. Arlington, Westerville, some 20 suburbs around Columbus, but this will be felt there as well. It will affect everybody. The suburbs feel well insulated. But my theory is, however Columbus goes, goes the suburbs. The suburbs are going to lose security as well. What What is your message right. to the people uh, in and around Columbus? Yeah, whether it's Columbus, Cleveland, I mean, how many cities are going down this path? I mean, there's many. And uh, yet, when you stop proactive policing when you dismantle you demonize your police officers you you dismantle the police department you discourage proactive policing which if you're doing it correctly 80 percent of what you do should be proactive policing going around and checking places making sure that uh, you can uh, get uh, the drug dealers off the corners and let the uh, the kids get out and play on that corner Um, when you do away with that things escalate of course they're escalating now everywhere cleveland columbus just in in June, our shootings were up 340%. It's just a natural occurrence when you stop the police department from doing their jobs. And, of course, if you want to go down there and watch a hockey game, a baseball game, go to whatever, I mean, the people who are most affected by it, of course, are the poor people down there in the inner city that can't get out. So the very people they say they're trying to protect, the, the, the council and, and the mayor, are the ones that they're actually adversely affecting the most. The single mom down there with the kids who can't, she, she can't afford to let them out to play during the summertime. She can't afford to put them in a bed because it's in an elevated position and more susceptible to drive-by shooting. She's got to have them sleep on the floor. People don't know that, but they're most affected by it. But, of course, the suburban folks who think they're okay out there, no, that's not the case either because crime spreads. And many of, you, you know, many of them work downtown. Many of them want to go down and have dinner and go to different events. And then the problem just spreads out to the suburbs. So it's time for everybody to wake up and understand uh, this is going to be ugly for everybody unless we get this thing turned around. You mentioned in the article, uh, quoted as saying that um, they're switching out items in the police budget to other programs. They're in the process of taking things away, like bulletproof vehicles and items that will result in cutting police off at the knees. This is all part of what you're saying is going to lead to um, you know, more deadly uh, situations more violent crime in the city and in the suburbs and so on and so forth are they also cutting manpower from the columbus police or just their uh tools that they use to protect themselves yeah they're they're still they're still planning on having one more recruit class go through and they are going to give them at least uniforms they're cutting uniform budget for everyone else uh so they're taking away uniform and like you say anything bulletproof uh riot gear uh anything that they consider might look intimidating like a helicopter um <laughs> So yeah, it's it, it's. You got the, I mean, are, are they watching? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is the mayor watching? Are these are these council members watching Columbus, Ohio, turn into a to a circus? To turn you know where the streets are all blocked, uh, and people can't get through. They're calling nine one one, saying people are attacking my car, and they're saying sorry, we were told to stand down by the mayor. I mean, people are in very seriously dangerous situations. Do they care about that? How can you not let the officers go there in protective gear? How can you not let them have uh, armored vehicles? How can you not let them have bulletproof, um, you know, uh, uh, vests and so on and so forth. I mean, my goodness, what do they really right. want these officers to do when violence is not only being allowed, but in some cases encouraged? No, it's encouraged, and the bad guys are being emboldened by all this behavior, of course. Right. So they're going out and even doing more. 
But yeah, and you don't see Ginther and the council members down there standing between their police officers and and the rioters that are throwing bricks and hitting them in the face and and bottles and such. No, they they praise these rioters. They let them out of jail. They try to decriminalize the rioting, uh, but uh, they have, do nothing to support the officers, and and so they don't see it because they're of course all tied, you know, nice and packed away in their homes with the, the heavy security that they've hired for themselves or the city has provided to them. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a mess. The chief, uh, chief Quinlan has, uh, has no power, right? I mean, he's doing only whatever the mayor says. Yeah. Let, let me be nice about it. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's powerless. Um, uh, he, he makes no decisions. He hasn't made any decisions for a while. He works at the pleasure of the mayor. And so the mayor is the chief. Uh, the best thing they could do if they wanted to cut the budget a little bit, cut the salary to the chief uh, and some of the deputy chiefs because they're of no use uh, right now to anybody. So the mayor runs the police department. City council and the mayor have sat down. They've got the agenda. There's nobody in their way. There's no pushback. And so let, let me ask you one final ranked. question, uh, Jim, because we're just about out of time. We're talking to James Scanlon, retired Columbus police officer. You know, um, people in the minority community hate uh, being stereotyped, which they should. Everybody should hate being stereotyped. You shouldn't judge somebody based on their skin color, judge somebody based on a certain characteristic of a group that they're in. How do you feel as a retired officer knowing that's exactly what is being done to cops? Being stereotyped and saying, if you're in a group that wears a blue uniform, you're a racist and you cannot be trusted. And you are, you are going to put people, particularly people of color, in harm's way uh, intentionally. That's what they're doing. They're stereotyping you in the same way that nobody else wants to be stereotyped. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. And the people that I work for, when I was working in the inner city, my clients, you know, the people that really appreciated me being there, they know that's not true. So, you know, very fringe group and which includes the mayor and council they're the ones who are saying this the people down in the inner city that want us there that need us there you know they, they've seen us down there long enough they know we're not racist get away from columbus get away from the suburbs and i would say the same thing to northeast ohio our listeners here get away from uh from cleveland get away from the inner ring suburbs because uh the crime is only going to spill out as they continue to cut officers off at the knees and not let them protect and serve the way they are supposed to do officer scanlon thank you for speaking out to the columbus city council and the mayor thank you for joining us here and for sounding the alarm and just know that it might not seem like it because we're not you know i'm i'm a part of the media but uh it might not seem like it, but there are millions and millions of Ohioans who have your guys back. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. God bless. It's Officer Jim Scanlon uh, from Columbus joining us on AM 1420. The answer will be right back. Nine fifty-eight. Time to get a couple of calls in here before the top of the hour. If you don't get in now, don't freak. Hour number two is guest-free, so uh, it's all yours. We will have plenty of time for your free-for-all phone calls, anything you want to talk about, whether it's COVID-related, whether it's uh, police-related, whether it's crime-related, whether it's uh, sports-related. Uh, there's a lot of different things, and you can uh, pick your poison. 216-901-0945. To um, where? Georgian? I think it is. Georgian is next on AM 1420, The Answer in Cleveland. Hi, Georgian. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I'm glad to get through. I just wanted to relate to you an incident that happened in my daughter's neighborhood in Tremont. 
Uh, now, her husband is a Cleveland policeman. He was not in uniform at the time. Uh, there are bums that frequent this park that's diagonally across the street from them. And this morning she transmitted a picture to me of a bum sleeping on the slide where kids play. And the city of Cleveland, uh, incidentally, has not even put up the swings yet so the kids can swing there. So anyway, um, this bum was sleeping on the uh, tree lawn the other night, and my uh, daughter's husband went across the street to inform him that he has to leave. There are kids that play in the park. Well, he got very belligerent, and my uh, son-in-law noticed that he had a knife in his sock. So, I mean, this could be a very volatile, dangerous situation. The guy did not leave. He started calling my uh, son-in-law names. Um, you know, it's just, it's very frightening because there's a lot of children in this neighborhood uh, who like to play in this park, and you have bums there that are camping out. So, uh, and then Mayor Jackson won't do a thing about it. He posts people to guard the Black Lives Matter mural in the yeah. street, take up their time instead of dealing with incidents like this. So I'm just very upset. Yeah, well, I understand that. And and here's the thing. There used to be a time when police officers could be called to a situation like that, and they could politely escort the gentleman away from the play area. Now, you know, and again, some people are going to complain because you're calling them bums instead of homeless or whatever and being insensitive. But the point is that, that this is kind of what community policing is. Police officers can be called in a very low escalation situation or a de-escalated situation and tell them, hey, need you to move on, you know, go find someplace else to, to hang out, uh, not in a place where you're not allowed to loiter like that. But now we don't have that. And by defi- and I'm going back to my original story, by defunding police, you're going to cut the manpower down even more, and you're going to have even less opportunities for police to help respond to citizen complaints in situations where kids, uh, you know, shouldn't be, you know, uh, in the presence of people who may be dangerous, et cetera. So, uh, but that is the bottom line here, is that, you know, there was a way to deal with that in times gone by. I don't know that we have it anymore. Thank you so much for the call, George Ann. We'll get more phone calls after the news. AM 1420, The Answer.